let's talk psychology, tulpomancy, and schemas. So the aim of this video is to not completely explain, but relate the idea in psychology of schemas to what a tulpa is within the mind. So I'm going to pull up a couple of sources to kind of help me um, digest and explain what schemas are, and then let's see if we can apply them to, to uh, tulpamancy and what tulpas are. And by the way, this video will essentially only be from the psychological model. So schemas, if I look at a couple of uh, definitions that I can dig up here, um, a schema is a mental concept that informs a person about what to expect from a variety of experiences and situations. Schemas are developed based on information provided by life experiences and are then stored in the memory. Now, when I was in college, one of the ways that schemas were explained to me is, um, and I'm going to try to digest the example as best as I can for you guys, but, you know, a, a little kid happens to see a, an animal with, uh, you know, four legs, a tail, and, and ears, right? And they're like, oh, what's that? And they learned that it's called a dog, right? And then, so they identified the characteristics of a tail, hair, four legs, a snout, ears, you know, all those traits, and call it a dog. Then, you know, they might see a picture of like a coyote, a fox, or a wolf, and they're like, oh, look, it's a dog. And someone's like, no, that's a coyote, a fox, or a wolf. And the there's a little bit of cognitive dissonance or disagreement in in the mind that's like oh but i thought it was part of this category but it's actually different so now i have to create a different schema or category around what this animal is as opposed to what i already thought it was and thus they create a schema around a given you know around around in this case both a dog and then a wolf coyote or fox so schemas are essentially a collection of ideas and um, characteristics and things that are basically put in a box, right? And we even have these things when it comes to um, different like emotional reactions and stuff. And we even have them around essentially any category you can think of. If you think of one of your friends, right, you know, you can describe what they look like, what they sound like all of their different traits. So you have essentially a box in your mind for all of these categories from a friend to what an animal looks like to what a car looks like versus an SUV versus a truck. And when when the mind learns something new, it tries to organize it in a box. And the way that I've been able to kind of identify, identify and um, digest this kind of thing is, okay, if all ideas that we have in our minds are a specific set of neural patterns firing, which is created from our thoughts. And as I don't think I've explained this before, but the brain works as efficiently as it possibly can because the brain is, a, is an energy intensive organ relative to its size. And it works in the way of just getting the best gas mileage, I guess you could say, out of the energy that's used. Which is why when we think about certain things, we can pull up all sorts of associations and stuff with it. You know, think about one of your friends and you can just rattle off all their traits. If I gave you the word cat, like mine, 
like my guys, what can you instantly describe about them? It's because your brain forms these instant connections and associations from a category to all of its different traits. So when we think about certain things, there's certain mental patterns that go through and given our associations that we make. So we have certain neural patterns of firing that happen when we bring up certain thoughts. That's why you, when you think about one situation that like a situation that you are currently in, your brain actually activates a bunch of previous situations that relate to it, albeit the fact on a subconscious level. And that's one thing I'm probably going to get into later is going from conscious activity to subconscious activity, which does relate to tulpamancy. Now, I'm not going to try to, I'm going to try not to get too far off topic here, but I didn't exactly make notes for this one because it's one of the main things I've been writing about um, last night and this morning and a couple of weeks ago when I started this topic um, in, in my tulpamancy book that I'm working on. But, so relating this to tulpas, right? When we start to generate a tulpa, you know, a lot of people will start with either building their form, you know, visual representation, or what their personality is, you know, through through forcing, which is direct attention towards the uh, that idea. Essentially, what you're doing is you are building a complex. You know, this is your name. This is what you look like. You, you have these personality traits in these certain situations. You will react like this in these certain situations. You will react like this. This is what your voice is going to is going to sound like, and when I talk, either out loud or using my mind voice, you talk back. So what we're doing is we're building a whole bunch of associations from our thoughts to what we want the reactions and um, responses to be, to what their personality traits are which interplays with how they react to things and then how they res and how they respond to us and how they respond to both our internal environment and the external environment out here. And what we're doing is we're building a box around the concept of a tulpa, which is identified with their name and all these traits and stuff. And then as this box gets more and more exercised through our tulpamancy forcing with forced interactions, and then you get the dialogue back and forth once you achieve vocality. It is a, it's a self-reinforcing feedback loop in a way, where every time that we activate these thoughts around a, a tulpa, then it, it generates this specific neural pattern that then eventually goes from conscious effort to subconscious effort. I guess I'll step into that now. So, you know, when we when we are growing up, right, we learn the ways to react to our environment, and over time they become more and more automatic. You know, the first time that you, you know, see a shoe, and then you have to tie your shoe. You know, you watch your parents tie your shoes for you. You watch, you know, other caregivers or maybe even teachers or whatever tie your shoes for you so you're starting to see them move their fingers around and do the loop swoop and pull thing you know comment down below with how you learned it with a, a rhyme like loop swoop and pull if you ever kind of figured that out or you know even if your parents are like you just do it like this right 
That'd be kind of interesting to explore. But as we learn how to tie our shoes, it's a very conscious effort. Let's try to relate this to forcing in Tulpamancy, right? Learning how to tie your shoes going step by step is akin to forcing in that it's a very conscious activity. Telling the Tulpa that they are like this, this is what their name is, this is how they will react to things, these are their personality traits, is the same as first I untie the laces, then I make one loop, then I make one, you know, I, I tie one knot, then I make a loop, then I loop it around the other one and I pull another loop through, then I, t if I want to double knot it, then I tie those loops together. It's a very conscious activity where you have to think about it step by step, but eventually, oh, I need to tie my shoes, boom, done, right? So when we are forcing, even if you step into, when you're doing narration, if you step into parroting, that's making it a very conscious activity where you are thinking about what their responses are. And without too much reliance on parroting, and over time as this becomes more and more habitual and more and more automatic and more and more subconsciously activated than consciously activated, you'll find that just like tying your shoes becomes automatic, the eventual responses of your tulpa, given all the ideas and things that you have associated with them through this schema that you have built around them, it becomes more automatic, and that's what leads to, um, what, do, what do they call it, um, independent agency, and reaching that first moment of vocality when, the, when you are talking to them and they respond back to you without any conscious effort from you. When they respond to you without any conscious effort from you, that is essentially be, because it has become more of a subconscious activity. I would kind of like to theorize here, you know, and I could be wrong, and it would be really interesting to hear about hear about other people's takes from it, other Tulpamancers' takes from it, that when we are creating a Tulpa, it is more of a conscious activity to generate a whole bunch of automatic and subconscious responses to our own conscious thoughts. So, <clears throat> I kind of think that Tulpas, or at least the, the majority of their framework and groundwork, which is the giant schema that we built around them, just like we would build one around trucks, cars, cats, dogs, and things, is the majority of it is subconscious. You know, it's not like when, or when you th have to think about the characteristics of, of any given idea, of any given schema, when you bring up one activity or one idea, you start to get that flood of information, that pre that preloaded information that comes up. And in education, the idea behind pre um, preloading or pre-programming information can can really help us with with this idea. So I'll step into education for a second, right? So when teaching a new concept, it is first a very very good idea to activate or bring up other information that can relate to that concept. If you've ever seen like a KWL chart, a what I know, what I want to know, and what I will learn, I think that's what KWL is. Um, it's been a long time since I used one of those charts. But anyway, the idea is, what do I already know about this topic? 
and then what what do I want to learn and what will I learn so it gives you a guide map it's the same idea behind I'm trying to think about it before I lose my train of thought but it's the same idea behind when we work when we try to understand and work with schemas all of the different associations that we have with a given topic is is the what we want to know or what we already know and then tulpas interacting with the present environment and then generating their automatic responses is kind of the what i know now and what i want to learn thing let me know how i did with that because i kind of think i lost my train of thought on that a little bit should probably grab some more coffee at this point i've been up for a while didn't have that much sleep but that's beside the point so i'm going to try to get back on topic here so yeah essentially tulpas themselves are schemas that we build that become automatic and responsive to our own in internal and external environment given the thought patterns that we generate around them in terms of their personality their thoughts and their and the environment so oh yeah let me, let me try to relate it a little bit more in terms of not just ideas but also responses right because the idea that we're trying to go with here is relating to schemas to how tulpas are able to independently act and engage with us and our environment given all of the basically pre-programming of the schema that we give them and then the continuing programming that happens over time which allows them to to generate deviation as well as independent agency so and we're gonna kind of step into like um you know maladaptive stuff here so in terms of uh, a discussion of like disorders and mental health and things like that let's talk about something like anxiety or um, fears or even PTSD so someone that has a you know an irrational fear about something has a has a schema built around that concept whether it be spiders or heights or tight spaces or the public or even one funny thing that I, I saw on a TV show a long time ago velcro right where do those fears and our reactions come from it comes from our associations with those things and just the way that we learned maladaptively to react to those things so those reactions that we have to certain fears like I can tell you that the abominable snowman from Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer is honestly scared me as a little kid and it still kind of freaks me out to this day now I know that once again it's more of an irrational fear but that's because it's built up and reinforced over time through the through repeated exposure to it which doesn't necessarily apply to everything given like PTSD can come from one severe experience but the reinforced reaction to it that's why exposure therapy can actually help to change our responses to things like irrational fears that we have because we are learning to reprogram our responses and our and our mental associations around that one given thing so 
relating the idea of you know our automatic reactions with things like fears and PTSD and stuff to Tulpamancy. My cat, I think, is chasing a bird out here on the window. It's kind of interesting, kind of funny. Um, our idea is that just like how we have automatic responses to things like fears and whatnot through the schemas that are built in our brains around those certain things, when we build this schema of all these personality traits and emotional responses and you will work you will work and word things like this you will respond like this these are your personality traits that play into how you um how you talk and how you feel about certain things it's essentially like we are creating our own mental programming around certain things so when we have internal dialogue we have that automatic response that comes from this built-up schema the same way as if I was to mentally think about the Abominable Snowman from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the claymation movie, I have an automatic response to it. Might have a hard time sleeping the night thinking about this junk. But anyway, it's that generation of automatic response. Like, if, if you think about something that you fear, like heights, and think about the last time that you were at a really high place that made you freak out, you can think about that internal dialogue that you had of, oh my God, I want to get out of here, right? That kind of, that stuff comes up for you almost automatically, almost instantly. You get that that feeling that, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, it might be an upset stomach, it might be jitters or whatever. That's more of an automatic thing that comes up from your subconscious in the same way that when we communicate with, when tulpa masters communicate with their tulpas, they get that automatic response, that independent agency, that, that, that response that comes automatically, which I would like to theorize, comes from the subconscious, given that it's not something that we, as the Tulpamancer slash host slash whatever you want to call them, call us slash them, that we don't consciously think about because it's an automatic response that is separate from us. So I know this turned into a little bit of a rant while I was trying to explain it, but once again, I didn't really have a script to it. Um, depending on different responses that I get to this, I might try to make a second video on it, but that, that depends on you guys and what questions, comments, complaints, concerns, issues that you may have. Not only can you drop stuff in the comments here, but you can also email me at priestofthenecro at gmail.com. You can find my email in the description. You can also find a link to my Facebook page Magicology YT in the description, as well as a link to my author's page. If you don't go through the author's page in the description, you can also find it on my Facebook page, Magicology YT. And yeah, so, you know, communicate with me and let's let's have a talk about this. I really want to generate some more response, responses and, you know, get to meet some other Tulpamancers out there. Yeah, so... In terms of everything else, I already mentioned my email and stuff. If you guys are interested in my other playlists, I have a playlist on the Simon Necronomicon, which is the main reason why I started this channel in the first place. The General Magic playlist, which goes over magical and pagan basics. I have the Topomancy playlist, which you will find you can could have found this video on. I have my playlist on the metaphysical properties of stones, gods and goddesses of Mesopotamia. The Tree of Life, my random playlist, which mostly is cat videos, 
I'm trying to think of my other playlists. But yeah, you can find all of those on my channel page. If you are interested in any of my books, I already mentioned my author's page and stuff, but three out of the four of them, because I haven't brought the other ones downstairs yet, it, they are above my head. I have Magical Theater, The Magical Mechanics, and The Guide to the Spheres and Beyond. My Handy Sigil Magic book, at least the one that I have here for display, is upstairs. can't remember why I brought it up there, but anyway. Yeah. And if you are interested in learning a little bit more about my books, you can not only check my author's page where there's where there are little links to my videos about my four books on there, but you can also check out my my books playlist. So yeah, like I said before, questions, comments, complaints, concerns, issues, drop them in the comments or send me an email, which I already told you what it was for those of you that are always like, what's your email? I want to I want to talk to you. Watch the video, guys. Well, hopefully if you got to this point, you already did. But anyway. I'm going to grab some more coffee. Good hunting.